Good morning. So today, we're to continue our Christmas uh, series here. Uh, it's kind of what you do in December. It's really easy to know what you're going to preach about in December because it's, it's a little thing called Christmas. It's a big, kind of a big deal. So we started a new tradition at our, our house. It's my new, Kelly and I's new favorite Christmas tradition. We watch Home Alone. Now, if you watch Home Alone with eight-year-olds, it is fantastic. The incessant giggling from the kids, not from me. The incessant giggling from the children is just fan-stinking-tastic. And there's, you know, the whole, the whole time is just this giggling from Bowen and Kendall. I have twin eight-year-olds, okay? And so, uh, and, and Kevin is eight years old in the movie. So, uh, it fits perfectly, and I know my son's like, I really wish my family would leave me alone for a weekend uh, so he could try, and he would have traps all over the place in our home. Um, but So this is a new thing, but if you look at uh, Home Alone, not as just the goofy thing, but what's the, actually the point of the movie? I, it took me until I was you know, 35 to figure out there was actually a point to that movie, besides how can we hit paint cans in people's faces? Um, Maybe this is a revelation to you as well. But the real, the real thing going on there is uh, how do we face our fears? That's, that's actually the point behind, behind the point. The, the, the scary man across the street's got to face his fears. Kevin's got to face his fears of the, the crazy boiler downstairs. And, and, and people just have to face their, their, their fears. And so that's the plot of the movie. And as I was watching it last night, I was like, well, that's nice. It fits, fits our message pretty good today. I um, have an incredible fear of singing in public, and so, <laughs> like, uh, I've sang in public, I was in choirs, I was in show choirs, I was in Greece, go Greece Lightning, um, I was Danny Zuko, you know, but I, I do not like singing in public, I don't like singing in front of people, um, and so, Lord said, hey, you're talking about fear, <laughs> what's going to happen is, is, you're going to have to do the thing you're scared of the most. He's like, Lord, can I do this from a ladder? Because I don't like heights either. Would that be any, any better? Um, uh, so, and if you're wondering, I didn't, couldn't hear Jared. My mic was not on, and that was totally intentional. So there you go. Uh, for you, it's like, I couldn't hear Jared. You didn't really want to. I just was uh, <laughs> just singing. <laughs> the mic on. Um, so there you go. Anyway, so today is all about uh, this, this idea of the angels coming down and saying, don't be afraid or fear not. And uh, this, this idea is kind of encapsulated Christmas for me because for a lot of us, if we're honest with ourselves, Christmas has a lot of fear associated with it. We've built this idea of Christmas uh, around and it's got these ideas of fear that kind of mingle into, invade into our Christmas season. And if you look back into what's going on in the scripture in Luke chapter 2, there's a lot of reason for fear to be everywhere. Christmas has always been this battle between hope and fear. And maybe your Christmas this morning, this, this time, if you're really honest with yourself, there's a lot of fear going on and a lot of fear being associated with your Christmas season. There's a couple ways I want to talk to you about this fear and maybe the fears that you're, you're feeling, and, and not to introduce new fears to you, but to say this might, might be what you've, you've been going through. Uh, there's a fear of not being able to provide at Christmas, right? There's a fear of not being able to provide, that I'm not going to be able to provide the experience for my kids, for my family, uh, whatever that looks like 
here at Christmas, it's very, it's exasperated. Uh, right here at, at Christmas time, we, we have that fear of being able to provide. It comes at us pretty hard because there's all these things that we can't control and that we want to control. And it's just, it's just a hard time, this fear of not being able to provide. And I, if you put yourself in the shoes of Joseph in the Christmas story, he's got to have this fear of not being able to provide. Like, I, I, a baby? <laughs> really, God? I guess. Uh, there, I mean, this must have been just traumatic for him. And figuring out every step of the way down to Bethlehem to his probably his relative's house, he's like, okay, God. Um, so there's this woman, and I love her, and that's great. And I get it's your child and all, but I, I just started, like, being able to provide for myself. Now, it's not just one, it's two, and it's a baby. It's not my, how does that work? Fear of not being able to provide, because that's a very real fear. I think for men, it sometimes is more, um, I think there's different fears. This is one of the major things that, that drive men, is why we have to have a job, and our self-esteem gets, gets, gets focused in on that. Um, I'm not saying it's not important for women as well. I'm just saying for men, we're kind of hardwired that way, where if we don't have our job, we don't have this, this I know I can provide for my family, it, it, it paralyzes us with fear. And, and maybe that's what you're experiencing this Christmas season as well, this fear of not being able to provide. I know Joseph would identify with you. He's like, been there, been there, been there with you. Second fear is this, fear of family issues. Nobody in this room has fear of family issues at Christmas time, right? I'm just talking for the people who are going to listen on podcast, right? Fear of family issues. Those of you who have the mother-in-laws in the room are like, nope, nope, not a thing. Right? Fear of family issues. We have, we have family issues all the time because everybody in this room knows that there are three words or three sentences you could say at Christmas dinner table and totally blow up the whole thing. You could bring up that one time, that one thing, the thing that she said or he said or he did or she did and, and whatever. And the Grinch just came to town. Right? Because, because people are, are messy and, and that's the way it is. I mean, that's for the podcast people. It's not, not for anybody here. But fear of family issues, and, and I think Joseph and Mary had to deal with this as well, because if you look in the text, Joseph is going to, the, to Bethlehem because that's where the house in line, where he's from. His, his aunts and uncles probably are there, maybe his second cousins, whatever. That's where he is from, and so he's going there. Now, if you look in the text in verse, I think, 7, it's talking about there's no, there was no guest room available for them. It's been translated, I think, in the King James Version, it said no room for them in the inn. Inn is not a, that's how I have it memorized as well. That's not a very good translation of it. Inns don't exist that, in the way in which, you can't go to the Hampton and be like, hey, I'd like a double queen size room and a birthing suite, please. You can't, you can't go to do that. There wasn't existed. Inns in that time were either a bar that may have had an extra room or a common room in it, or they were a house of ill repute. Neither one are places that I want to take my pregnant wife who's getting ready to have a birth, uh, have a baby. Are we agreed in that? I hope so. Okay, so, so what was actually probably going on is they went to a family homestead, maybe uh, cousin Ed's or whatever. He shows up. They come in, uh, come in and, and they're around, but he's like, I don't, there's no space for you. Um, either, now if you're being cynical this morning or you're being positive this morning, you can take your pick. I, I understand it's Christmas. Uh, but if you're cynical, you say they were shunned because Mary's pregnant. They're not really married. They didn't hold buy into the whole God, it's God's baby thing. And they said, go, go, go sleep in the barn. 
right? You can take that. That's a perfectly good way of taking it. Um, or, because we don't know in the text what's going on, or it's an act of incredible generosity, and they say, hey, we don't want to subject you to all these kids, all the people, everything that's going on in here. Why don't you go out in the barn? Because think about it. It's not like a barn for us today. The barn is not a step really down from the house. It's the same type of thing. Like, it's, it's not really that big of, a, a big of a change. And so why don't you just go, go hang out in, in that space? So it's either a very, very act of generosity or it's this really cynical thing. I don't know. What I do know is we all have fear of family issues, and I can guarantee you Mary walking down there pregnant to a family that she'd never met before was like, oh, this is going to be fun. Oh, so you're expecting. Yes, it's God's baby. Get over it. Right? Like, because like, I know, you know, pregnant ladies in eight months, they're just done. Like, if you touch my belly, I will stab you. <laughs> like, kind of kind of like, it's, not, it's my area, not your area. Stay with Anyway, um, not my wife, just just other people's wives. <laughs> She's in here finally, uh, not in the kids' ministry, and now I'm getting, help me, Jesus. Um, third fear, fear of disappointing loved ones. It's extreme fear at Christmas, fear of disappointing loved ones. What we put underneath the tree causes fear sometimes. What we're able to put underneath the tree at Christmas sometimes makes fear. My son has, uh, his love language is going to be the gift of, of giving. He will be a, a gifts dude. And he wants some extremely expensive gifts this Christmas. And he realizes he's not going to get them. So what he started asking for was just money. He said, just give me money. We'll take care of it. Because he's thinking, if I can get everybody to do it, I can buy that one thing I really want because I know it's really expensive. But that's, what, that's how he's already got the whole you know, plan out. But that's what he's doing. He's going to be very disappointed at Christmas uh, as he walks down the hall right now. He also, he also wants to give extravagant gifts. Like he, he asks my mom, because I want a Jeep Wrangler, because we've all know the story of me mourning my poor Jeep turned into a minivan. It's not the same, okay? And so he asks every year, how many monies would a Jeep be? Like, can we pull that off this year? Like, <laughs> like yeah, because it's, you know, well, dump out your penny bank, buddy. I don't know if you got a second job, um, but selling a kidney or whatever, but it's not going to happen. But he wants to give extravagant gifts. Like what he wants, he put on a, um, one of those posters of what Christmas is. The gift that you want to most give to anybody is one of those Roombas to my mom. I want to give her, like, buddy, you got to stay away from the vacuum cleaner. Although, if you're giving a robotic vacuum cleaner, it might cross the line from giving a, a woman a vacuum cleaner for Christmas. But it, I mean, those are really expensive. It's not going to happen. Sorry, babe. It's just it's not, it's not. We would Our dogs, dog hair would kill that thing so fast it wouldn't even be funny. But um, that's what he wants to do because he's extravagant. How can I give mommy this really cool uh, robotic uh, vacuum cleaner? How can I give daddy a Jeep Wrangler? How can I do this? That's not happening. Some of you guys, when we look at the, the, the budget and we look at what's in the bank, and we look at the gift list, those aren't the same things. And so this fear of disappointment starts to creep in. Except that's like the, the, not what Christmas is about. We've made about Christmas about you know, placating fear, fear of family, fear of disappointing, fear of being able to provide. We've missed the point because the spirit of Christmas is hope. Hope is the spirit of Christmas. Hope. And hope is the opposite of fear. Hope is the opposite of fear. Hope is the spirit of Christmas. And we're going to keep on coming back to that uh, this year. Because 
as we engage with Christmas today, as we engage in this idea of fear, we have to keep on coming back to this idea of hope. Because you and I both, are it's so easy to fall into fear being the, the major theme of our Christmas season. And we've got to break that cycle. We've got to break what that means for us. Like we build it up, we build it up, we build it up, and we dread this, and we dread that, and we're just scared that all these things, and so-and-so is going to say this, and, and they're going to be disappointed with that, and how many things am I going to have to take back on the day after Christmas? All this stuff. Oh, let's replace all of that anxiety and fear with the hope that Christmas brings. When we do that, we reclaim what Christmas is. See, the people living in this time had the same kind of hope. Their hope had been beaten down. They were living in fear. They were an occupied people by a foreign government, a cruel government that would not hesitate to crucify you if you rebelled. They would not hesitate to, to enact terrible punishments on you. And they live in the spirit of fear. They live in the spirit of fear that God, if we're honest with ourselves, it feels kind of like you've abandoned us. But there was also this competing idea of hope. Hope that a Savior would come. Hope that a Messiah would come. Hope that God would be with them. Let's read Luke 2, verse 8 to 20 again. I'm reading out of the New International Version. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. About the underline the word terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Underline, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Underline Savior. He is the Messiah. Underline Messiah. The Lord. Underline the Lord. This is a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to whom his favor rests. Underline peace and favor, if you have the opportunity. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they have been told. There was a lot of fear going on in this Christmas. This is, this is so important of how these angels come in. And it's, it's one of these kind of like, overlook things. I think, I know it has been for me, so I'll just speak for me. This is not the part that I really care about as much. I want the baby to be born and the angel thing I didn't really get. And so today I really kind of want to unpack why this is so powerful and this is so important. There is a lot of fear in their hearts at this time. And it's a fear, and I'm going to honest with you, I think it's a fear that sometimes we step into on a Christmas basis or even on a daily basis. The fear is this. The fear that God had forgotten them. Have you ever felt like that? The fear that God had abandoned them. It's been 400 years since God has spoken to them. 
since the prophets walked the earth. 400 years. Think what's happened in between that 400 years is just a revolving door of conquerors, of people ca- of capturing them, putting them in slavery, taxing them beyond belief. I mean, big time people like Alexander the Great, Pompey the Great, everybody who had a great in the end of their name just destroyed Israel at this time. Fear that God had left them because of their actions. You ever had that fear? See, what had happened in that before that 400 years um, was people were just living totally counter to what God and the law uh, and the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, had told them how to live. They were stepping into uh, idols. They were worshiping other gods. They were doing some heinous things. They were fighting among themselves. The, the kingdom of Israel had split into the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel. It was nasty stuff going on. They'd have a great king for like 20 years, and then they'd have a slew of six kings that were goofballs for, for another hundred. And part of it, the, the reaction of the Pharisees and why they're so legalistic and why they're so committed to the law is because they feel that God has abandoned them because of the actions that they did. And so if we're perfect upon the law, and we guard the law, and we do everything right, then God will love us again, and he will send us a Messiah. That's why they're so legalistic. I got a feeling some of us in here we kind of feel the same way. If I get so legalistic, if I just do everything right, if I never, never do these things, and I never step into these things, then maybe, just maybe, God will love me again. And it's the same fear that people were having 2,000 years ago. It's that question, God, where are you? You said you'd never leave us. You said you'd never abandon us. Where are you? And into that moment, the angels show up. Into that moment, the angels show up. And what they say is so important. They say, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will, be, will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now the emphasis on do not be afraid, fear not. In the word terrified in the, the sentence before, this is really important because I always took it as these angels, the, the way they describe them in the Bible, are pretty scary-looking dudes. Okay, they got like six wings. They're flo- just crazy stuff. Okay, you're like, wah, special effects out the wazoo. All right, so that would be exciting, except what I think they're scared about and what, what, why the word choice that the, the angel uses is important, it's the same word you use when you're in battle and generals say, don't flee, stand firm, don't run away. Listen to this. You see the difference? Because terrified is the word of, 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 of people just running away from battle. But what the word he uses is stand firm. Stay. Listen to this. Don't run away. I've got good news. The Savior of the world has come. 
See, hope is the spirit of Christmas, and that is what the angel is trying to interject into the whole world at this time. He's trying to interject that whole idea of, of I know you're caked in fear and you're worried about what the Romans are going to be doing. I wonder what the conversation of the shepherds were right before the angel showed up. Like, yeah, this Caesar guy's a real jerk, huh? Like, I don't, like, can you believe these taxes? Or can you believe, what was that conversation like? And all of a sudden, <laughs> like, ah! Yeah, I, I think I, there might have been some, some excitement going on there. But he's like, stand firm, hold on a second. Don't run away. The Savior is coming. Hold on, don't run away. I know life is hard. Hold on, don't run away. Stand firm. I know you feel abandoned. Hold on, don't run away. I know you hurt. Hope has come. Hope is here and it will change everything. And his name is Jesus. He is to be the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Kurios of our lives. He is here. You are not forgotten. You are not abandoned. He is here. He has come. And you can go see him. Do you see how that would be like, Wow! Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened that the Lord has told us about. Yeah, like they were like, let's go! Because hope has come. Instead of feeling like God had left you, instead of feeling like God had abandoned you, instead of of feeling like God is silent, hope has come. And this Christmas, I know you need to hear this. Instead of feeling like God has left you, God has abandoned you, God doesn't love you anymore. He has come for you. He is your Savior. He is your Lord. He is your Messiah. Hope is the spirit of Christmas. So some of you on Facebook saw that I started just bawling in my desk on this week. It's because I know your stories. I know your hurt, and I know your, I know your pain. And I know what you've gone through this year. And I want to say to you, you are not abandoned. You are not forgotten. God loves you. He cares for you. Hope is the spirit of Christmas. It says, I look at this. I look at myself and I, I see the fear that I have in my own life. And if I'm going to step into this and I'm going to live what I preach, I've got I to gotta look at how do I do this. See, what, what it really is is fear is a lordship issue. Fear is a who's in charge of my life kind of issue. Because if I make myself... Lord of my life, I know I'm scared that I'll mess up. But when I place my hope in Christ, I don't have to have fear anymore when he's really in charge of my life because I'm like, he's got it. It's not me. This morning I had a choice. Am I going to get really self-conscious about leading worship in front of everybody? Well, God, it's your worship service. It doesn't matter what I sound like. It doesn't matter what I look like. It, it doesn't matter. Fear's a lordship issue. I had that, own, that battle in me at 7 o'clock this morning. Nope, we're just going to lay it at Christ's hands. Fear is a lordship issue. Here's, here's a sentence that just, ah, I don't like this sentence because it's true. When I lose trust in God, it's because he hasn't worked according to my plan. I think I have some pretty good plans, dadgummit. But when I lose trust in God, it's because he hasn't worked according to my plan. And this is the same if you're dealing with sickness, if you're dealing with jobs, if you're dealing with money, if you're dealing with all of it. We think we've got it under control. We think we've got it figured out. But when I lose trust in God, 
it's because he has not worked according to my plan. The shepherds have lost trust in God because he's not worked according to their plan. They want a Messiah to show up 400 years ago and save him from Alexander the Great. They wanted a Messiah to show up and save him at a different place. They wanted a military ruler to come in and, and kick butt and take names. But that wasn't God's plan. And so what happened was they started to lose trust in who God was. When I lose trust in God, it's because he's not worked according to my plan. I didn't get the job I wanted. He didn't heal the people I wanted him to heal. He didn't provide the way I wanted him to provide. I start to, my trust in him starts to erode. Why? Because it was my plan, not God's. It's a lordship issue. That's not easy to deal with. It's not easy at all to deal with. But let's flip that on its head for a second. If God lost faith in us every time we worked against his plan, there would be no hope for us. You you understand? Like, I messed up his plan this week, this hour, probably in the last 30 minutes. Like, I just choose. If he just gave up on us, well, there goes Jared again, messing up. He must not be real. (laughs) If we applied the same logic that we do to God, that doesn't make sense. But in his infinite hope for us, and in his infinite love for us, how he cares deeply about us, he's always pulling us back to his heart. Hope is the spirit of Christmas. See, God hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't walked away from you. He loves you still. No matter the past or, or the stuff of life that you're going through, he offers you hope this Christmas season. He came 2,000 years ago to set not just the Hebrew people free from the stuff they were going through. This is the beautiful part of Christmas. Is ever before this, God had really, except in a very few, few times, God had been working through these, these chosen Hebrew people. And he'd been, been liberating them or doing something crazy, miraculous in them. But at Christmas, do you get what, he sa- what the angel says? It will be hope for all the people. Not just for all the Israelites, all the good people, all the faithful people. It will be good, uh, hope for all people. That God opens it up. That it doesn't matter that I'm a, a Gentile. That he's op- offering hope to everyone. Hope is the spirit of Christmas. Verse 14 is a verse I usually skip over when I, like, I don't skip over it, but it's like, you know, you know what you do in your brain when you're reading. It's like, okay, that's not really important. Let's get back to the action. It's the angels saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to, uh, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And I always kind of read that real fast and, and work through it. But when I start seeing it in the light of dealing with fear and hope and this juxtaposition between the two, I went, whoa, this is, this is pretty powerful stuff. Because who is saying this sentence? It's not one angel. It's not two angels. It's not three angels. It's not four angels. It's not five angels. It is the entirety of the heavenly armies. <laughs> Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to... Man, those shepherds were... What? 
This has been the most amazing like fireworks display you'd ever seen in your life. This would have just, whoa! And the sentences I want, or the words that I wanted you to underline were two of them, right? Peace and favor. The idea, this is heaven's army proclaiming this. Get that in your head. This isn't just some cute little Valentine's cherubims like floating around with little arrows. This is heaven's divine army. Sing glory to God in the highest heaven on earth, peace to whom his favor rests. This peace, the word shalom, one of the definitions of shalom is a peace that is fought for. A peace that is fought for. Four. What does that mean to you? That means angels army, peace to you. We're fighting for you. We're with you. You are not alone. You are not abandoned. This is a country and a people who can't even raise their own army without being squashed. Here's heavenly hosts. Peace to you. You are fought for. You are not alone. To those whose favor rests. The favor of God. You are not alone. Instead, you are blessed. Think of it. That the very army of God would claim that. Would name it for some shepherd guys who are the least of these. They're out in the middle of nowhere doing the most menial task possible. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Rest. And it's the same sentences that need to be radiated into your heart, into your head this Christmas season. No matter what you've been going through, no matter what you've been doing, that you need to hear and claim peace. I've been fought for. And God's favor, his love, his care is on me. Hope is the spirit of Christmas. See, in this moment, I know this is the first Christmas for a lot of us. Maybe it's the first Christmas that we've had a divorce. It's the first Christmas we're having without so-and-so because they've passed away. It's the first Christmas where I didn't have a job. It's the first Christmas where blah, blah, blah. I know this is a hard Christmas. I know this is a Christmas in which we, we need to latch onto the hope. And fear keeps on warring against us. It keeps on hitting us. It keeps on wanting to detract from this, this Christmas season because Fear is the opposite of hope, and hope is the spirit of Christmas. That I just want to pray for you this morning. That you would feel in your heart, you would know in your innermost being that you are not abandoned, you are not forgotten, you have not been left behind. God loves you. He loves you so much that he would stop at nothing to have relationship with you. That he would subject himself to being born into a food trough for you, that he would subject himself to coming into the least populous, least powerful people in the history of the world for you, that you are fought for and you have his favor. Pray with me this morning. God, thank you so much for today and thank you for this time. Thank you for this morning. God, I ask you to bless us. I ask you to to let us feel your favor this morning because I know we're going through some stuff and we've got some issues and we've got some things and we've got some stuff that maybe we're not proud of or maybe we're just hurting through. And it was a, it was a hard thing to walk in the doors of this church this morning. And God, so I, I just ask you to open our hearts to you, open our minds to you, that we would feel your presence, maybe for the very first time this morning.
that you would forgive us of our sins, that we would give you lordship of our life, that when it's hard to trust, we're just going to choose to trust, that your plan is bigger, that your plan is grander, that your plan has a point, that your plan just is not on our timetable. God, that we could trust that and we could step into it. God, we love you. Even through the times in which our faith is tested, even through the times when, it, when it's strained, even through the times where it's close to a broke, breaking point. Lord, I want to stand firm in, in that fear not. I'm not going to break with your help, with your guidance, with your love. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. May you have a merry, merry, merry Christmas. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you all the days of your life. You are dismissed.